Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right. Well, Steve Olson, man, I'm I'm super excited to have you on this podcast. Uh, we've we've known each other for for a little while. I mean, I think I've certainly remember you from 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 my FFA days <laughs> uh, back in Minnesota. We're both Minnesota kids. We got that University of Minnesota background, the FFA. And uh, you've got some some background in the in the turkey world, and I grew up in turkey country up there in central Minnesota. So, welcome uh, welcome to the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. I'm super excited you're here. Well, thanks, Mark. I'm excited as well. It's 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 been fun to uh, to rekindle the uh, the relationship, and and it's been fun to watch your career over the last uh, several years. Yeah, it seems weird sometimes when people say, "Yeah, it's been fun to watch." You. I'm like, "Well, what have what have you been, what have you been looking at? <laughs> Was it any good?" Uh, but uh, that's the world we live in, right? I mean, now the world where we, you know, we're we're marketing personal brands, business brands, careers really through LinkedIn and and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and things of this nature. So that's that's where we're at these days. Uh, Talk, talk to me a little bit, uh, Steve. You get the same question everybody gets right off the bat. What what does it mean for you to be intentional? Yeah, the great question. I think you know it's something that it has a stronger meaning to me today than it ever has. Um, again, as I think that you know, I think we're talking about our careers over the last twenty some years and, and the evolutionary, you know, and it's a journey, and I'm enjoying that journey. For me, you know, being intentional is more important to that work-life balance now than it's ever been. And for me, you know, intention means hitting pause, saying that, you know, at the, uh, you know, typically Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, I'll, I'll get some quiet time. I'll say, all right, what's going to, what's ahead this next week? What do I want to, what do I want to accomplish and, and create that list? And that helps keep me focused, which is always a big plus in, in uh, cause I get distracted by shiny object and, and squirrel moments and things like that. But that's also what I help my clients do. I, I work with agricultural leaders, teams, associations, and industry sectors and help them intentionally look at the future and say, what's on that horizon? And what do we need to be doing today to get to position ourselves to you know, prevent that challenge down the road and to take advantage of opportunities? And so it's that, it's that, you know, it's that hitting pause and, and saying, all right, you know, where are we at? Where do we need to go and how are we going to get there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, it's a great answer. And and now what, what, what makes it so much more in, uh, necessary for you now to focus on that, that intention? What's, what's, is it stage of life, stage of career? Is, is that what it is? Or just higher standards? Like what? <laughs> All of the above, I think, I, you know, I think it's certainly a stage of life. And I, you know, so for 19 years, I had been the executive director, as you mentioned, for the Minnesota Turkey Growers, the Chicken and Egg Association, Midwest Poultry Federation, and a couple other poultry organizations. And um, and then four years ago, I, I transitioned and started a consulting business. And, and it's one of those things. I love what I did. I love working with farmers. I still get a chance to work with farmers. Having my own business, I think I need to be more intentional and I need to be more focused on, on where where do I best fit? you know, and how can I best serve the people and who are the people that I best serve? Mm-hmm. And so um, intention is really important to that. And again, again, as I, I work with clients, but as I, 
work with, you know, I've got a couple of uh, my two sons are both adults. And as I, you know, help them, and we have conversations again, it's, it's me looking at being intentional is more important for me as I'm having conversations with them too. And likewise, you know, for them to, to figure out what direction they're going, both are have very entrepreneurial um, mindsets. And, um, and again, I think that, um, you know, being intentional is important. Yeah. Well, over the years, you've certainly worked with a lot of different organizations being in the association world. Obviously, each of those organizations that you ran has a lot of members to keep it going. So you've been able to look under the hood of a, a fair number of co- uh, companies and help them solve the challenges um, inside and outside of their organizations. And you know, in the context of our work here today, I'm just curious, what, what have you seen has been working uh, let's uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Let, let's 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 parse this out. Let's let's look at member organizations, and then let's look at associations themselves. So we'll split it into two. Let's go member organizations first. So when you think about um, things that they're doing with them for employee retention, to keep people educated, to keep people um, on on their edge professionally, uh, what what are you seeing? Some of the best practices are with uh, with organizations and the member uh, mem- members of the organizations that you've served. Yeah, I think the I think all of them is you know you look at your stakeholders, and again, it's whether it's a company or it's an association. It's a, who are the stakeholders that are that are paying to be part of that that operation, whatever that that definition is, and how do you best serve them? And I think it's a matter of uh, staying in touch, staying relevant, and and with associations and membership organizations, it's you know what are those members there for? Um, in the case of farm organizations, it is typically it's they're there because of the government affairs. And then if it's a checkoff organization, they're, they're contributing to that checkoff because they are looking for things that, you know, research to be conducted or promotion to help their business. And so, again, it's an investment in their business. And, you know, the associations and membership organizations are basically, you know, it's it's working together, collaborating, doing something together to, to have a greater impact than any one of them could on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. So, from you know, for, as you look at within within associations, like why why is intentional leadership so important for those organizational leaders, especially as it pertains to having good people and keeping good people around on their teams? Yeah, again, again, I think that's just like any organization having the good having the right people on the team, but it's also a matter of of having the leaders at the organization, you know, whether that's staff and or board leadership, that have the ability to to look down the road. And, and say what's coming at us. What do we need to do as an association or as an organization to, to serve the the needs of our members? And part of that is how do we keep engaging with um, with new members and younger members and and meeting their needs? And so that means that they need to be in tune with what's going on in the marketplace and with with what's going on in society to to be able to um, meet members where they're at to provide those kind of services that they need. And again, you know. Legislative government affairs is, it, I think, continues to be at the top of of the list there because um, having a voice in those policy making decisions, if, you know, if they're not there, someone else is going to make that decision, and it's more likely it's their perspective is not going to be factored in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would imagine those relationships, those personal relationships with the employees of those the you know, various associations and organizations representing, whether it's a checkoff program or whatever. Um, having some consistency in those roles has got to be important for that for that legislative voice, right? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, you know, legislation is again is is it many things, but relationships and, and having that trust and and trust is, is is and credibility is hugely important to those policymakers. If um, if you they have a lot of issues to deal with and they need 
reliable information in order to help them make decisions. And um, and if you if you abuse that trust, then then they're not going to believe you. You're not doing a service to your members. So it's a matter of building that relationship, knowing who to call when something happens. And we've had we had cases, um, you know, back in I think it was 2014, we had a propane crisis going on. There was a shortage of propane, but having the relationship with uh, with the uh, the elected officials and their staffers. Um, as well as the agencies certainly helped us navigate through that. And again, there's plenty of, you know, high path even influenza is something we dealt with in 2015. And, and then again, um, last year, but in 2015, it was it was that the relationships that we had built with the, the Board of Animal Health and with USDA helped us in a crisis situation. Um, and, and, and again, it, it, the credibility and that, that ability to work together is is key. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's I'm reflecting a little bit as you talk here these conversations, the work that, that, that you guys are doing or that, that other associations are doing to, uh, to, to lobby on behalf of agriculturalists, right? The, the, the person who's sitting down tonight having a slice of Turkey or a Turkey sandwich is not never going to know <laughs> that these conversations are happening, right? That this is part of what it takes to keep the food coming from the farm to that dinner table. You know, there's so much intention throughout the industry at every level, right? Of just people who care, people that really, yeah. It's just, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting a little bit as you talk about that, because like, you don't, you don't want to, when you're sitting down to dinner. I know with my kids at night, we had lamb last night, and we're not sitting here thinking about all the stuff that went into it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah and I, that's a great comment. I, yeah, and nor should you have to. You know, yeah, I think that. Right. Yeah, again, it, it, part of that's that uh, the American farmers build the trust in the consumers that they know that we're doing the right thing and that we care about what we're doing. And again, that's one thing that we talked about in, in working with farmers. You know, again, in the poultry industry is that they care about what they're doing. They care. They care about that animal health and and uh, making sure that it gets what it needs when it needs it. Um, and if we do our job right, the consumers shouldn't have to. On the other hand, we also again part of a job of an association is to help consumers understand. Um, and what it does take to produce, you know, food, whatever type of food that is, whether it's corn, soybeans, you know, poultry, beef, whatever. Um, and, 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 you know, we, and we have, uh, have to build that trust in order to be able to continue to do things that we need to do. Yeah. You know, you and I spent some time just before this chatting about a number of different things and reconnecting. And, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I thought was, uh, really interesting is you're talking about how to make meetings better. <laughs> you know, it's it's not necessarily on my list of questions for you today, but I wanted to dive into that because, you know, I I'm ha- I have sort of a me too moment. Like one of my passions is about creating training programs that people would want to come back to. And, you know, we've all been through those, <clears throat> those meetings where it's just one PowerPoint after another, just run one speaker on a stage and everybody's uncomfortable and drank too much coffee or drank too much the night before. And they need, they need to move around. You got to engage their brains, but it's just like, you know, it's just looking at the audience. They just look dead in the eye, right? So, uh, just talk to us a little bit, Steve, about what, what you're doing to help uh, help some of these meeting planners and and uh, association members be able to create better uh, better resources, better meetings for uh, for attendees. Sure. Yeah. So, I, I work with agricultural leaders and help them make uh, decision making discussions or, or facilitate decision making discussions for them. And so, I do that with planning or creating strategic direction. Uh, the second area is, is conference three hundred and sixty. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And the third area is kind of big picture, impactful initiatives. And so it's working on bringing bringing the right people together to have discussions on some big topics like food as medicine, ag technology, um, ag talent recruitment, those types of things. 
The Conference 360 is, uh, you know, just what you said, is it what's going to keep people coming back? And, and like you said, we've all been at plenty of meetings, conferences, where you sit there and their speaker or lecture, you know, it's a college lecture type of, you know, someone's talking to you and we're passively listening. And the next speaker gets up there and does the same thing. People attend conferences to, to learn things. So to help them improve their lives in whatever way it was, whether it's a personal uh, situation or it's a, a, a business situation, but they also attend to network with others and, and connect with other people. And again, that's another way to learn. So with this conference 360, I design agendas that engage that audience. And we tap into their experience, their expertise, um, and their knowledge. And you know, so you present some information, so you still have some presentations, but then it's facilitating a discussion saying, you know, I, I reflect on what did I hear? What are the take-home messages that I heard from that presentation? And we each do that. And then, you know, sharing one-on-one -on -one with somebody else. So here's what I heard. Here's what you know, they share what they heard because they're going to hear different things and it's going to add to the, the quality of what you take away from that. And then it, again, we, you know, share out as a group and, and then eventually report out. So you can hear other, what other people's perspectives are from, you know, different uh, aspects of, you know, whatever their background is. And then ultimately that's something that for the conference organizer to be able to take saying, all right, here's what we heard from our audiences and here's how we fit into this and help we can move this discussion forward. I think what that creates is that as, as an attendee, it creates a more positive experience. And so they're, 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 they've got a better feeling about saying, hey, I had a chance to contribute to this. I, there was dialogue happening. I learned, I got, I got to know people at a different level. And I got to know more people than I might have otherwise. And that gets back to another comment you made. That's going to help them come back. They, they, when they've got a sense of belonging, they're more likely to come back to, to whatever that uh, conference is and support whatever that organization is. And so that's what the whole idea with the Conference 360. And it's been fun. And, but it's also a different mindset where conference planners sometimes are saying, hey, we this is the way we've always done it. That's different. Uh, there's some risk there, but you know, again, we we build it out that that agenda is going to be more uh, more robust and 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 the better experience for those those that are attending. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're really bringing that Socratic method into the you know, and, and used in in the in the association. And I mean, by contrast, I mean, or excuse me, at the meeting, and in, in contra by contrast, what we're what we're used to experiencing is you show up at 8:30 or 8:45 we kick off the conference session you know and it's just we just run one person after another until noon and then it's a big lunch you know and we we eat until one everybody go gets and loaded up on some more coffee um, at the end of that after a big dessert and then we go and we run another group of speakers up from 1 to 5 and and then it's open bar <laughs> exactly, and, and the motivation is to get. Can you can you like stick it out until the free booze is available? <laughs> exactly, and I, I'm doing a doing a conference on uh, this coming Monday where it's you know we're bringing in somebody to talk about geopolitics and agriculture, and mm -hmm. so he'll have a thirty to forty. I think he's got a forty five minute presentation, and then we'll have a facilitated discussion. So people again will have a chance, and this will be a cross section of C suite and and board leadership. Um, from agriculture companies and associations in the upper Midwest. The next uh, topic will be on global sustainability policies, same mm -hmm. format. And then we also talk about livestock development, and then we have to talk about low carbon fuels. So again, we're we're hitting some of those bigger picture issues. And, and, and in this case, the conference is called the next five years because it's to, to get people to look down that pathway five years. Sometimes it's like we're looking down 15 years and other times it's, you know, we're, we're we're looking at what's on fire right now. And so this is again the hit hit pause with intention for those organizations and those leaders to say, all right, from what we heard 
these people say, what's this mean for our business and what do we need to be doing today to get ready for tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Do you think has, has being in this post COVID world, has that opened the door for you a little bit to have this conversation? Because what my hypothesis would be that we're, we're maybe a little more choosy about what we decide to go to for some reason now in the last three years, because everybody kind of for a couple of years got used to just not going to things. And I don't know, what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it has. And I think you know, part of it is that the, 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 we've been able to do some of the stuff online. I've been able mm-hmm. to do some facilitations of strategic planning and we've been able to break it up or over, you know, three or four sessions or whatever, which I think gives people a chance to reflect and come back with. And, and that, that makes the process more robust in this kind of a situation. I think that people are wanting to get back together. They want to have that that new level of discussion. And then we've also got, you know, younger generations that want things differently. And, and this has given us a chance to, to help them, you know, meet them where they're at as well. So it's, it's been a, it's been a fun process of valuable. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential for, for future development or, or again, development of topics that are important to agriculture and agricultural leaders. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I, a couple a couple more questions here before we start to bring things in for a landing, Steve. Um, you know, over the course of your career, you certainly have led some teams. What's what's been a big challenge that you've had to overcome in in your work in the association world uh, as a as a team leader? Uh, big challenge. It's kind of interesting. You know, we, you you reflected on on FFA, and so I'm still involved with FFA as an alumni member and help out. And in Minnesota, we have uh, what we call an ag policy experience. So it's kind of a capstone. Um, you know, two-day conference that uh, FFA members apply to come in, 30 are selected. They come in and they learn more about the legislative process. And they actually go through some mock uh, situations. And so I was talking to a group a couple of years ago and they asked what my favorite part of the job was and what my least favorite part of the job. And I said, people. I said, that's the answer in both cases. <laughs> Sometimes it's the same person. But I, I think for the most part, um, you know, leading teams and, and being able to meet people where they're at. And, and I kind of, you know, I get it. Part of it goes to the, you know, there's a golden rule. But now I've I, you know, recently learned about the platinum rule, mm. which I don't think it's new. But it's basically, um, you know, it's meeting people where they're at and, and um, you know, delivering what they need versus what I need or how I want to be treated. And I think that that's, that's kind of key to what we need to do as, as leadership. And it goes back to the intentional piece of it. It's being aware of what, um, you know, what your constituents, whether they're customers or, or members or whatever the case might be. Um, it's, it's meeting them where they're at. Yeah. That's a, that's a great answer. I mean, people, people are messy. <laughs> <laughs> and it does, it really does take a special person to be able to, to be in a leadership role <clears throat> um, and, and really have a, um, to be truly intentional for those people around them. Some people are in leadership roles because they have big egos and they've just been, you know, good enough to get there. Some people are in leadership roles because they're good at the job that they were in before. So they ended up in this one. But to mm-hmm. me, like the really, truly like the, uh, when I reflect back on my FFA days as a kid, what made me want to get into the industry to stay in, in agriculture uh, was that there were some really intentional leaders that just took some time out of their day to, to share with me. You know, or I remember, uh, you know, you, you'll get a kick out of this. I think remember, I mean, he's long since passed, but Dallas Sams was my state Senator, um, uh, grew up, you know, close to, to where I grew up and, um, or lived close to where I grew up. And, um, you know, like he, man, he brought me over to the state Capitol 
uh, took me out to, I was writing a paper for something in university and he let me come over, took me out to lunch, shared whatever I needed. I mean, gave me more than enough information and resources for my paper. I mean, just, I still remember, you know, the feeling and like how cool it felt, right. To be in the presence of somebody who was that intentional as a leader. So, yeah. And I, likewise, the, uh, as I look back at how I got to where I'm at today, it are people, whether they're, it's a formal mentorship or not, it's people that, that listened to me, took time to take interest to me and, and, and believed in me. And, and I think that's important in, um, you know, in, in whatever we do. And so there's a book that uh, my son's girlfriend gave me for Christmas. It's called Reach. And I think John Rotesh, R-O-T-C-H-E, I think is the, is the author. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's reach out. So it's reach out for help um, to, to, you know, to do what you want to do. Or, you know, um, and then it's reach up, you know, have, have goals and, and, and desires, but then it's also reach back. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's helping that next generation of, of um, people, whether again, whether it's a personal or it's a, it's a professional relationship. I think that's a really important to, to, um, you know, that's, that's how I got to where I'm at with people caring about me. And, and something else that before I forget here, Mark, that you, you know, several years ago when we first met, you had um, <clears throat> just read or you mentioned uh, Strengths Finders. Oh and, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. And I hadn't uh, I hadn't heard of it at that time, but it's a you know book I read as a result of that, <clears throat> and have <clears throat> excuse me, and and have and I use that a lot. I refer to that a lot. And and mm-hmm. you know, the the team I had at the uh, at the Turkey Growers or staff and actually all of our board, we we had everybody go through that because I think what it does is it gives, you know, first of all, the, the premise is that, you know, people have talents. We've got God-given talents. And when we work in those God-given talents, you know, things are easier for us because we're working in space that's that's more natural for us. And then helping that understand that everybody is different in some way. And we all bring talents uh, to, to different, to the team or to whatever the situation is and understanding that yeah, somebody, you know, we had somebody that was woo, which is winning others over. Mm-hmm. She did our exhibit sales for our convention. She was great at it. That was the right fit for her. Um, something else may not have been the right fit for her. And and, um, and again, it's just understanding that, you know, getting the, the right people in the right seats. Yeah. Well, it's in that, that's a, that's a great book and a, a great tool. I, I have an, another one I have to share with you sometime now. We have a new tool called Strength Scope. Uh, which is a little bit different. It's not the same company. Um, very unfortunate uh, sort of nomenclature that they're the same because they're very different tools. Uh, but the uh, the <clears throat> the strength scope measures what do you get the most energy from. So where strengths finder is a little bit more competency focused around talents. This is what what are the buckets like when I'm working within this arena, I get the most energy from. And some people get a lot of energy when they're working in detail and they're working in spreadsheets and these why from from my perspective, I can't possibly understand why. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm not a but detail thank goodness guy, right? they do it. Exactly. I'm a strategy guy. I'm a relationship guy. I'm a developing others guy. I do those things. I can do that all day and have plenty of energy to go through it. And in fact, I get the more I do it, the more energy I get. Um, but often we find ourselves misaligned in a role where or or <clears throat> maybe unintentionally, we have seen somebody else do the job before we got into it, right? And I I try to mimic how they did the job. Well, if John, the sales guy has been in that role for 30 years and you're the new guy that steps in after only three and you try to take over, well, you you can't walk up and talk to those customers the same way that John did, right? There's a unique experience that's you and the, another conversation for another time, but that that assessment certainly um, 
uh, piles on and kind of adds on to that conversation around, you know, just getting an understanding, like what are some of your strengths and, and, and making sure that you and your team, by the way, know what they are. Uh, but with that in mind, any other books or podcasts or anything that you're big on that you think people would benefit from right now? Yeah, there's a lot of them. You know, I have piles of books that I I, I, I need to get to to read. Uh, but a couple that can't that come off the top of my head are Upstream. Uh, I believe Dan Heath is the author. And, and you know what the significance is. To, to me for that book is that it talks about, you know, getting in front of, uh, of a problem, you know, or challenge and preventing from happening in the first place is a whole lot less costly um, than, 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 you know, dealing with the ramifications of something that does happen. So if you, you know, identify what those things are, <clears throat> that helps, um, you know, one, one for me or two for me that, um, that I get personally and professionally, you know, beyond grit, uh, Sandra Kampoff, who's actually another Minnesotan, um, is a psychologist, works with a lot of uh, high performance athletes and executives. Um, you know, and it, again, it talks about the grit to, to, to you know, be able to, to work through things. And then another one that was really helpful to me here <clears throat> about a year, year and a half ago is, um, <clears throat> I'm drawing a blank on it right now, um, The Belief Zone by Ursula Menchez. And again, from a personal standpoint, where I was at with you know, the, the evolution of my business, you know, I think we all have these times where we're, we're saying, all right, you know, is, is this the right spot for me or am I the right fit or is that imposter syndrome? And, and you know, I read some things in there going, nope, okay, this is, I'm, I'm headed the right direction. And, and it kind of uh, it gave me the perspective I needed it. And that's what I look for from books is something that's going to give me some perspective that, again, helps me help others and, and uh, help them move forward. Yeah. So that was Beyond Grit? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Beyond Good by yeah, yes. San, Sandra. By Sindra. By Sindra. Got it. Yep. C-I-N-D-R-A. Okay. Got and it. Camp Campoff is K-A-M-P-H-O-F-F. Campoff is a very Minnesota name. So that would, uh, that definitely rings true. <laughs> <laughs> and the other the other one was Belief Zone. Right. Yep. Okay. Got it. We'll uh, we'll try to link those up. So well, great, man. Well, Steve, any any last thoughts before we uh, before we end our time here today? No, I appreciate the the opportunity to you know to, to talk in more depth with you, Mark, and um, and I think what you're doing with this podcast is great, and it's it's needed. There's uh, there's certainly uh, enough stuff going on that um, that intentional agribusiness leaders um, are being you know agribusiness leaders being intentional. Mm-hmm is important and, and there's you know and it's it's great that there's resources out there to to help people again take that step back and and um and, and figure out what direction to go yeah i agree I, I, you know what uh what we're finding is there um there is so much intellectual property leaving the industry every day due to retirement you know and that's that's just one aspect by the way but there's tons of just people i think i, I talked to um, a recruiter who, I mean, just, I mean, there's just an appalling number of CEOs, uh, you know, in some of these cooperatives and, and independent retailers that are just set to retire in the next 36 months. Like, incredible. I mean, more than you can fathom, you know, to where we think like, well, how do we, how are we going to fill these roles? Right. How are we going to have the right kind of people available? Where's this, you know, where's this knowledge warehoused? And this certainly, right. You, you, you get there through experience. You get there by reading your own books and you get there by, by, you know, taking tries, <laughs> uh, but I thought, man, could we, could we just, you know, create a resource where we interview, 
the people around the industry and get their take on it and share that in a, in a collective free resource, like a podcast so that we can get, you know, put encapsulate this a little bit uh, and be able to share and, uh, and then leave that as, as a, as a legacy. And thanks. Uh, thanks for being a part of it. It's been, been fun to reconnect here, Steve. You're welcome. Thanks, Mark. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if, if this message resonated today, if there's something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.